Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash w-a-n-t-p-o-w-e-r. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 197. Welcome to Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight so you can feel better and have the life you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here today with me. I have such a great episode for you today. I'm super, super excited about it. So those of you who are longtime listeners may recall that last year, at the end of the year, so almost a year ago, I had a weight loss success story with Summer Merritt. She is one of my amazing clients, Her story is incredible. I want to encourage you if you want to hear the first part of her story and her weight loss success and how she stopped binging and just, I mean, incredible, incredible results. Go back to episode 149 and you're going to be able to hear her whole story. Today's episode is an update on that. I always find it so interesting when you get to find out like whatever happened to that person. Did she keep her weight off? Like, how did she deal with COVID? Like, what's going on with her? And is she still kind of walking the talk? And so I invited Summer on to discuss how has the last year been for her? What are all the changes? How has coaching helped her? I mean, it's incredible. It's so interesting. I can't wait for you to listen. And um, so she's going to give you a really nice update as to what's been going on for her in her life, some major, major changes, and um, just so many things that are possible because of the coaching that she engages in within our program. And so she's just, I mean, you know, all my clients are my faves, but she's really one of my faves. (laughs) She's, she's just, just so lovely. And so I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with me and Summer Merritt 
all about what's been going on for her for the last year and how she's maintained her weight loss throughout COVID. Amazing. All right, enjoy. And I will talk to you next week. Hey, Summer, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Thanks for having me back. I am really excited to give everybody a bit of an update. When this airs, it'll be 11 months after your other episode aired. So we're like right at about the one year mark. And I thought it'd be so fun to have you come back on and give an update because it's sometimes it's easy to have people come on and they, you know, kind of tell you like, this is all, this is great. Like, this is how my life is transformed. And then we're like, yeah, but like, were they able to keep that up? Does this stuff stick? What actually happens as you continue on with this work? And so I would love it if you would just briefly give everybody just a little taste of what you do. Of course, Anybody who really wants to know the, you know, the first um, round of information can go listen to that episode. Um, but just give everybody a little idea of who you are. Sure. So I am a family physician in West Texas and I own a practice and it's a small concierge practice. And so I'm kind of like an old timey doctor where I see people in an office and I see them um, in the hospital and I see them in their homes and I manage a staff of you know, myself. Uh, my husband's our business manager and then we have a nurse practitioner now and a nurse. So that's kind of when I have married and I have two kids. So. Awesome. Great. Okay. So we're going to dig into all the things, like all the, the transitions. You last year and then, you know, this year too, have really put a lot of effort into your relationships. That is something that has like, as you've continued on with coaching, have really, really dug into like, and I would just say, you know, from my perspective, like, it's it's been it's been a bit of a marathon in the sense that it's not like you got coached twice and you're like, oh my gosh, everything's magically better. Like you definitely have had some struggles, some things that you've you've worked on, you know, roadblocks, coming back again, like really getting stuck, working through all that. I would love if you would share with the audience just kind of what that transformation has looked like. Sure. So um, I, you know, when I first worked with you in August of 17, I thought that it, this was going to be just a, you know, quick six month fix all my problems, you know, in half a year, which is sounds completely normal to fix every single thing that (laughs) happened in 40 years. Um, And that, um, that I would just move on along. But um, as I saw that how transformational it really was, you know, with weight loss, but then also with my relationships and, you know, my business, my career and things like that, that I just kept trying to apply the same methods that you teach to just different aspects of my life. And, you know, I would work on one relationship and think, okay, well, I can apply that to every single relationship. Well, they are all a little bit different and I would have different thoughts about different people. And so um, I would have to work on those thoughts that would kind of get me to a lot of very similar feelings and then have to um, just figure out how to process all of those while, you know, I think underlying still figure out more about me. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think if, if you're willing to, you know, share whatever you're, you know, whatever kind of part of this you're willing to share, you recently were telling me about an episode where you were with your family and something that would have typically like completely set you off. And it would have been like, you know, World War Three, big, big fight. Mm-hmm. You really had this perspective in the moment and mm-hmm. were able to basically calm yourself down, keep it in check. And it, I love those moments where we're like, oh my gosh, this is working. <laughs> you know, like right. all this hard work. <laughs> Would you be able yeah, to share so about I, that? I was with um, family members and as conversations tend to do in 2020, it devolved into 
politics and things about election and things about um, racial inequality. And somebody made a comment that that I I I guess I felt a lot of shame about because that person said something that was racist. And so it I well I really wanted to argue and you know dig my heels in and tell them that they were wrong. And but then in that moment, because we worked a lot on my urge to be right. And as you said, an urge is an urge and is an urge. You know, we worked at the beginning on an urge to binge, but then my urge to be right is a reoccurring urge that I have. And I realized that it didn't matter what I said to that person. They already believed what they were going to believe. And I, I could say something, you know, ugly. I could say something kind. I could, you know, just keep going round and round and round. We could blow up and have a huge fight. But that person, just like me, had the urge to be right. And so when in that moment, when I had that light bulb go off that said, oh, they want to be right just as bad as you want to be right, I could just, all that balled up anger and shame and everything that was bubbling to the surface, I could just let it go because I knew that they were, their thoughts were really, really controlling them in that, in that moment. And so I had to think, you know, do I love this person? Yes. You know, do I have compassion for them that they think? completely wrong, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) yes. Uh, But you know, I could have compassion for them and then just let it go. And it, it, you know, normally would have devolved into something where people would be yelling and slamming doors and leaving and, you know, maybe not talking for weeks on end. And it just really pivoted into just changing the conversation into something else. And the person just kept trying to poke back at it, but just was fine. So You were just able to let it go. Like, I seriously have chills hearing that story again. It's, it's just, it's so, it, that's so much growth, right? When you realize, like, we actually both want the same thing. We mm-hmm. want that amazing feeling of being right. Mm-hmm. And so th- th- there's some commonality there, even though principally, right, what you're discussing, right. you don't share, but that humanity, that human need to be right. Mm -hmm. It's like, yep, (laughs) that person has it just like I do. And you're able to just avoid the whole blow up that doesn't, it's not like you have the whole blow up and then someone's not racist afterward. Right. It's not like anything changes. Yeah. Right. And I wasn't conceding that they were right. It was just agreeing to not continue the conversation and then to not let, you know, not to let my emotions get out of check so then that way it it doesn't cause a rift that is not, you know, is that's repairable. So Right. Right. Oh, it's so good. I love that. I love that. Okay, so in terms of your work, you know, you're a practice owner and you are the doctor in the practice. There's been mm-hmm. a lot of changes. I mean, I don't know what doctor hasn't had massive changes. I think we'll keep, we'll keep COVID as a separate topic, but just in yeah. terms of your practice, there's been so many like you know, new hires, growing the practice, um, you know, changing EMR, mm-hmm. employee-employer relationships. Like, talk about that and how coaching has really influenced that. Sure. So I think, you know, we can start with the EMR because that one's easy. But I I started my practice in 2011 and I got an EMR because it was cheap and because I'm really thrifty and I hated it the whole time. And it was really clunky and not portable. It did the job when I was there, but I always wanted to change. But the thought of changing to a different one just felt too overwhelming. And I would spin an indecision and it would just, you know, go on and on. And I put it off. I just kind of kicked the can till the next year, next year. And so I finally just said, you know what, I'm giving myself a deadline. I'm going to choose another EMR. 
I'm only going to, you know, I'm going to research this. I gave myself time. You know, I put on the schedule to research it. I, you know, talked to three of the reps. I narrowed it down really quick. I made the decision and that was it. And then I didn't think, okay, I'm going to go back and think, oh, I should have stayed with the other one or no, I, I made the wrong decision. I should have picked this other one instead, but I picked it and I picked the the day to to start the transition. I mean, it was painful. Don't get me wrong. It, I knew that, you know, moving all of, cause we had to move all the data over, you know, it wasn't like a big dump from one you know, program to the other. And so a lot of it was hand entered data and it was a giant pain, but it's been a hundred percent worth it. And I just, throughout that process had to tell myself, this is going to be worth it. It's going to be painful, but it's going to be worth it. And so I just had to say that over and over again. Um, and that, that was helpful. And I, I absolutely love it now. And so I can, now I can send in prescriptions, even triplicate prescriptions in the state of Texas over my phone it's amazing. It's really portable because before I'd have to like go back to my office, get a triplicate pad, sign it, figure out how to meet the patient, get, you know, just a yes. giant. So it's, it's yeah. that it's been great. And then, you know, it gives you that freedom that like the freedom is, is a big part of owning your own practice anyway, right? right? Like that's kind of the point. So this is really in line with what you're trying to create anyway. And, and before coaching, I just thought it's, you know, an insurmountable task to change EMRs like, oh, that's just too hard. I'm just not going to do it. And then I just thought, you know, no time's going to get easier. I just might as well just rip off the bandaid and do it. And so I'm, I'm glad that, you know, so that, that helped, but I don't think I'd ever have had the, um, I don't know what the word is, gumption just to just do something on purpose that was going to be hard. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and then with, um, I guess with my practice, it's, I had always before coaching, I just in my head thought that, you know, my career would look one way and that, you know, my life would look one way and that, you know, I have a successful business, but that that's just how it was going to be always. And I was very just restricted mindset and not really thinking in a growth mindset that this is good enough. This is fine. I'll keep it really small. I'll just have one nurse. So there ever, there will never be any conflict you know, oh, right. Then you don't have to manage people if you've just got the one nurse. Oh, yeah. yeah so for, you know, for eight years, I had just had one, one employee. And just because I didn't want to have to mess with in office fighting or drama or anything like that, or hiring something new, and what if they don't fit. And um, I, it was a little bit on a whim this spring that I said, you know what, well, I guess back up. So right when I started coaching, I approached my nurse and said, okay, I think that I, I need more help. I think you'd be really great going to nurse practitioner school. I'll pay for it if you go. And so she, that, you know, she's finished, almost finished now. And so she graduated in August, hasn't taken her boards yet. But then, so this spring I knew that, you know, before COVID knew that I was going to need somebody else to kind of help with receptionist, phlebotomist, that kind of thing. If I was going to transition her into, you know, being more um, taking care of patients. And so I had her help me hire someone else, another nurse that she'd worked with at the hospital. So I picked two nurses off of the, out of the hospital. I don't feel bad about it at all, <laughs> but, <laughs> and, um, and so I hired her and just said, you know what, she's going to be great. And I didn't, I didn't interview a whole bunch of people. I thought they get together really well and they get along really well. I know her work ethic. I know she's a hard worker. She hasn't done primary care before. She's only done same day surgery and labor and delivery, but we're going to, she's teachable, trainable. We'll make it work. And so I just kind of went into it thinking this is going to work period. And we're going to make it work. And then of course, like two weeks later, you know, 
we have COVID. So <laughs> then, <laughs> Jeez, yeah. yeah, because then I'm thinking, holy crap, what did I do now? Now we have another employee, you know, what's going to happen? Because all my patients are retainer based and the oil market crash, the economy crash, like are patients going to leave? Are they going to go somewhere else? What's going to happen? And I just had to kind of real. I mean, of course, I ran around with my hair on fire for a few weeks. I mean, I'm not like, not gonna like lie. yeah, right. It's like you're a robot. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, okay, we're gonna make this work. We have value, period. And you know, you've said that over and over again that you know, as as female physicians, we have inherent value in our education. So how can we give that value to you know to our patients? And so I just dug my heels in and thought I could very easily because I didn't have her sign a contract. I could very easily just say, you know what times are tough going back to the hospital, but I was like, nope, we're going to make this work. And so I added value to my practice by doing a patient email every week, which I hadn't done before. And, you know, keeping them updated about um, COVID, about the science of it, about, you know, the journal studies, trying to, trying to translate everything to people. Um, And then I added a weekly zoom call for my patients if they wanted to ask questions, because I thought that's a good way for them, you know, me to see people face to face kind of, uh, and, um, you know, for them to be able to ask questions. But then I also was sneakily thinking if they have a time in which they can ask questions, perhaps they won't bombard me with questions outside of those times. So, um, yes. so I just kept trying to do that to add value to the practice and, you know, just, and then I asked her, you know, what else could you do? What, what's interesting to you that you could add practice? And she goes, what about, you know, what about giving people, IV therapy. I'm really good about putting in IVs. What about when people are dehydrated or, you know, if we could keep people out of the hospital? And I was like, boom, sounds good. Make up a list, figure out what you need to get from the medical supplier. You're in charge of that. And so, yeah. So, and then, you know, just getting the nurse practitioner, like, what are you interested in? You know, how are you going to bring value? Cause it's not, I have tried to, to work with them as a team and have them be in charge of how they're adding value so they don't feel like they're just, you know, a weight being pulled behind the practice so that they're, they have a stake in the game and that they're doing something not only to take care of patients, but they're interested in, but they can add value. And I incentivize that and monetize that. So then that way they're motivated to do that. Yeah. It's like you're giving them some ownership, not actual ownership, but ownership in the parts that they contribute to. And then this is the best part. You don't have to think about that stuff. It's not like you have to come up with all the ideas or you have to manage everything, right? You're just overseeing it, which is brilliant. Yeah. And it's still tricky because I still want, I still have a hard time with um, not, I guess not micromanaging, but, you know, sometimes thinking that my ideas are better than other people's. <laughs> That's the whole urge to be right, right? Yeah, I always sure. say that I just fall in love with my ideas. I really fall hard for my ideas. <laughs> I know. And it's like, I can't help it that I'm just efficient, you know? And so, <laughs> but, but, um, but I, so I have to just, you know, I really have to pull myself back and let them have ownership of that and have them have, you know, continued, um, say in ways to make things better. And I I think that could go for any practice really is, you know, we do that sometimes where we just say, okay, what's working well, what's not working, how can we fix it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like you sit down, you know, let's have a long meeting and, you know, hash out (laughs) everything and make it really horrible. But like just a really quick on the fly, is this, is this working? Should we find a different supplier for this? And then see what they think. And then as far as like, if you could imagine, you know, that all happening and even COVID happening and all that stuff, if you didn't have coaching involved, what do you think that like the contrast would have been? 
Oh, I mean, I probably would have never, I mean, cause I also built a building. So I'd probably would have never, I probably would have stayed in my own little small place with one nurse and just said, this is just fine. Mm. And not really like pushed herself to grow or to even think about what you could. Yeah, I didn't even create. think about it. I, I just thought this is good enough. Why, why tip the scale? Why, why mess it up? something else might be worse. And I never even just opened my brain to think with the curiosity that you encourage us to have, like use that curiosity to say, well, why can't I do something different? You know, it doesn't have to be better, but why can't it just be different? And how, you know, how maybe that, maybe it would be a whole lot better. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I think too that we think that you know, figuring it out, like, you know, the, this is going to be great. And then we'll just coast and follow this bottle forever. Like, first of all, there's nothing wrong with that, if that's what you want to do. But what I do think is that for a lot of people, there's this stagnation that kind of develops. Like, I think that that's great. If you have something else in your life, that is a massive passion. Like, let's say you're like, a, you know, a, um, you know, an Ironman athlete or something. That's like the first thing that comes to mind, right? Where you're like, listen, I just really want, you know, steady income. And I want this to just, you know, run seamlessly, kind of in the background, almost, and because the big thing, the big challenge in my life is this thing that's in my personal life that I'm, that I'm working on. And that's totally great. But if you don't have something like that or don't want to pursue something like that in your life, I think, I think we as humans, it's like we really do best when we push ourselves in some way, shape or form. And that can look like so many different things, but at least it's like not boring, right? Like even if you're like, you're, you're like, maybe it's not better, but it's different, right? Like it's at least going to be using your brain, keeping you engaged, like it's never going to get boring and you know you might actually make it better you probably will to be honest you probably will and so just being open to that idea is just a testament to coaching right just like right. you know kind of questioning it cuz like i'm you know just as much as anybody else where my you know beliefs are just like well this is just what's uh, what's uh, possible mm-hmm. like there just isn't anything else possible and then you know a coach or whoever you know questions that and i'm just like wait what <laughs> Are you, what are you telling me right now? Like, that's not true. Oh my gosh. My brain is like blowing up. And I just love that, you know, this is, this is right. It's a weight loss group ultimately, or weight maintenance at a certain point. And that's always kind of like underlying, but this is the real meat of life. Like this is, yeah, you know, it's like you're doing all this and not gaining 50 pounds in the process or binging your face off in order to deal and cope, which would have been how it would have been before. Right. Yeah. And, you know, to follow up on that, like I'm still not at my goal weight, but I'm okay with that. I've lost 70 pounds, but I, I've maintained through all of these. And, you know, when we talked at first about, you know, what's gone on the last year, I was like, meh, nothing. And then thinking, oh, there's actually a whole lot of stuff that's changed, you know, and because I mean, for sure, with the stress of, you know, changing offices, adding employees, employees, you know, interacting, it's just a different flow than it used to be. Plus COVID plus, you know, remote learning for kids, you know, I would have definitely resorted to food a ton, but I just told myself there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm going to give myself compassion and I'm just going to maintain. And of course, there's been lots of urges when, you know, emotions have run high and I've had lots of, you know, junky thoughts that, you know, junk food would fix this in the moment. And in the moment, (laughs) it's delicious, but I just have to think, no, that's not really what I want. That would just be adding, you know, misery on top of already a tough year for, you know, for everybody in the country. And, you know, mine's nowhere as tough as it could, as it could be. But, um, but that has really been helpful just knowing that I can maintain my weight and that doesn't have to be another added source of stress. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I think maintaining your weight during this year is like losing 50 pounds in a normal year. I mean, like, it's like literally that is like a massive, massive, massive accomplishment. So, you know, not to just like, I just want to make sure it's not minimized. That's like really, really huge. Um, Especially when you're someone who has used food in the past to help you to cope, to help you to deal with things, right? To not go back to that is amazing. So let's talk a little bit more about COVID. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I mean, there's so much that we could say, but, you know, in particular, you started taking a bit of a leadership role within your community when you were noticing that the other people who seemed to have leadership roles were not really taking it seriously or weren't preparing or things like that. And that was definitely something that you got coaching help on. You want to touch on that a little bit? Sure. So um, I think that, I mean, it it took everybody, you know, a little bit by surprise, COVID did, um, but with I have a friend actually from my very first coaching group who's an infectious disease doctor with the CDC. And so she and I had been texting and she was like, and she's in Seattle, like kind of watch out. This is coming up another friend in Seattle, you know, other friends in New York. And so I was, you know, talking to friends in the small town where I am and, you know, have, are you kind of following the news? Are you watching this? And, you know, the physicians were, yes, you know, definitely watching it, but it seemed like everybody else was just kind of oblivious. Like that's not going to happen here. It, you know, it's going to, you know, stay in China or it's going to stay in big cities. It's not going to be a problem here. And so, I mean, to be perfectly honest at the beginning, I was scared. I was, it was definitely, you know, a lot of driven by fear of, you know, this could be really, really horrible. This could be awful. You know, what are we going to do? We're not prepared. You know, the hospital's definitely not prepared. There's no stocks of PPE. You know, my fellow community physicians don't have anything. And just since I had been talking with people other places, I had totally stocked my office in February. Um, and so I was, I was good. I had, I mean, bunny suits, the whole, <laughs> the whole, mm-hmm, the whole nine. Yeah. So I got physicians together and, you know, when you're in a, a private practice, even though I'm on some hospital uh, executive committee boards, you don't really have necessarily a lot of interaction with other physicians being by yourself. And so it was kind of, you know, a few of us started texting each other and then it got to be bigger and bigger where it was email and it was, okay, well, we need to be a voice. Like we need to be a unified medical voice in our community telling our community this could potentially come here. And so it ended up it, it started with like six physicians and it ended up being almost 600 healthcare workers. So between two cities, uh, physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, RTs, everything, we came together and we formed a um, kind of a coalition called Protect Our Frontline. And we put out um, ads and papers and we did a social media campaign just telling people to, this is when people weren't staying at home. That, and so it was more of a stay at home campaign at that point, because this was late March, early April. And, um, you know, we went to city council meetings, um, put articles in newspapers, went on the news, just were telling people to to beware. So um, that pushback, though, it's not like the community necessarily everyone welcomed this. Like there were, oh, there were no, lots of people, people who are like, yeah. little lady. <laughs> go, you know, back to your place. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, very much so. And so I think that it, um, you know, I love Texas and being from Texas, you know, people are very fiercely independent and don't like people telling them what to do. And I would say that for 99% of problems that that attitude is great, but for a viral pandemic, individualism and 
not being told what to do don't go together very well. And so, you know, the local politicians, they just had a really big problem and they just wanted me to be quiet and go away. And um, just because they thought that it, I mean, they just thought it was fake. And, you know, um, I think that all of us have probably, you know, experienced that throughout the pandemic. And so um, I had to, it was still though that same urge where I really felt like these were scientific facts. I'm right. All of these other medical professionals agree with me. We're right. And that I had to fight that urge really badly that, you know, they wanted to be louder and say, no, 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 we just need to go on living our lives and doing everything like normal, you know? And so that, that was, that was tricky. And so I did get a lot of coaching on that. Um, And I I laugh because on one of our coaching calls, I talked about how I was fueled by rage for about three weeks (laughs) and I, I got a lot of stuff done. Like, I mean, I got, I got one of my patients who's really well connected to donate tons of PPE. I got PPE to every community physician who wanted it. I got PPE for the hospital, but it, that was a bad feeling. And so I had to get coached through that, that probably rage was one, it made me feel bad. And then it wore me out. I mean, I was physically and emotionally exhausted but it felt better that rage felt better than the fear I was feeling underneath thinking, you know, what if something bad happens to my family? What about all my patients? How can I protect all these people? So that, that, yeah, that, right. Um, and, and, and talking about like, you can still be doing all those same things fueled by a different emotion. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be rage. Sometimes we think like, look what I'm getting done. See, rage must be the way to get things done. And like, that's fine. But you start to realize like, you can only keep that up mm-hmm. for so long. And of course, it was becoming more and more apparent that this wasn't going to be just, you know, this quick blip or, you know, this spurt, and then it was going to be done. It was just like, no, we're in it for the long haul here. So let's figure out a way to do this in a consistent a consistent and sustainable kind of a way. Right. And so I, you know, it was the hair on fire running around fueled by rage for about three weeks. And then I just wanted to lay in bed and cry and sleep. Um, And so I'm sure everybody had had moments like that. But (laughs) when I realized that I had to ratchet it back and that it was going to be, you know, more marathon pacing, my husband is very fit and triathlete. And I told him, I was like, I feel like I'm running a marathon through molasses and I hate running and I hate molasses. <laughs> so I just had to, like, I would have to intersperse little bits of humor throughout that, you know, but right, um, right. That, that was definitely helpful. But I mean, I think that, you know, I, I don't know why I was so outspoken. I mean, for sure, you know, me at 25, I don't know if I would have done that. Me at 30, I don't know that I would have done that. But I looked around and nobody else was saying or doing anything. And so it wasn't a, oh, who better than me? It was a, well, I can do this. You know, why not? You know, why not? Nobody, you know, nobody else is speaking up. Why can't I go do this? And so, and then two, I also had to fight a lot with people pleasing because I think before I would have been afraid what people would think if they didn't agree with me or if I was saying that saying something that they didn't want to hear or saying something that wasn't popular that I would have really worried that oh you know this the mayor doesn't like me he's made it very apparent he doesn't like me I it would have you know crumbled me on the inside thinking that I said something that you know ticked somebody off but I think that all the work that we've done I realized that you know what I like me I'm doing this for the right reasons I have good intentions I have the support of all these other physicians. Who cares what he thinks? 
Yeah. And like, maybe are you screwing it up sometimes? Like maybe could you have said something a little better? Maybe. And also who cares, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. not like, you know, we have to believe that we're never making a mistake. No, No, it's like, yeah, maybe there would have been a a better way to collaborate with the mayor, but that's not how it went down. So meanwhile, off we go. But what is so important that you totally touched on this is that self-regard, that relationship with yourself, actually caring about yourself enough, liking yourself enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like respecting yourself enough to, to just say, you know what, this is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it just like full speed ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop just because someone has an opinion of me. Right. <laughs> and you and know I what will. I like? Sometimes thinking is like that guy, that mayor can't think anything worse of you than you've already thought about yourself at some point in your life. No. Right. No, and so it's, it's like, you're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, no, and in that too, it's like, just, I mean, I, I, I guess, and I, I never really th- until I sat down and processed this, you know, you talk about a lot about having your own back and I never really, that never really clicked for me until this. Cause I, I looked and I thought, you know what, even if the other physicians weren't with me, I would still do this Yeah, because I feel like it's the right thing to do. And so even if people don't agree and I mean, yeah, I screwed it up totally. Like I went to the city council meeting and, you know, I spoke and then I ended up freaking crying at the city council meeting. And then I'm like trying to beat myself up. Like, why do you cry? You act like a big baby. I'm like, who cares? Whatever. People cry. You know, there's lots of emotions, you know, whatever. But I mean, it's, it means you care, right? If you yeah, didn't care, yeah. you wouldn't have cried. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. But I oh think that gosh, it's so good. Yeah. It just, it was a funny situation, but it, what, it ended up being really funny then is that, you know, I think that, you know, the, People did listen, you know, when, especially when stuff was really bad in um, New York and Detroit and Chicago in April and May. Um, and then, you know, of course, it spread across the Sun Belt as it, you know, did this summer. And so our case counts were really high in July and August. And our hospital was almost at a PCR test. Like we had 10 tests left. And so you know, some, so someone from inside the hospital called me and said, well, we know you're connected. Do you think you can somehow get a hold of the governor and get us more tests? Because that's the only way is you have to, you know, go through the governor's office through the strike force to be able to get more testing kits. And I don't know why, but I just said, sure, of course, I'll figure it out. And so then, you know, I call a couple patients who know a couple people. And this is like Saturday morning at nine o'clock. I'm still in my pajamas, like haven't had any coffee, nothing. (laughs) And then the next thing I know, I'm on the phone with the governor and he's saying, okay, sure. I'll figure out a way to get you tests. Amazing. Yeah. And so, so but it's like, I I don't think that I would have ever had that, that nerve to do something like that without, you know, being too scared of what someone was going to think about me. Yeah. And this is all this, like, it's not like you are like, I'm going to, this is what I love. Like, right. When we work together, right. Cause you, you're in masters, you're in the continuation program. Like when we decide to work together, you know, you can't even begin to imagine that this is what's going to be coming up for you. It's like life happens and then coaching helps to support you in that. Right. So like all this work that you were doing on yourself, even the last couple of years was preparing you to be able to show up in this pandemic in this way, right. right? To be that person who's like, absolutely, we'll get you more tests. And like, and I, you know, I'm going to use my network and all my resources to make sure that it happens. Like, that's just so cool, right? Just knowing like, th- there's a reason why two years ago, we were, you know, coaching on whatever it was like, this just is the result of all of that. I love it. And that's, you know, three years ago, I, you know, 
totally thought that it was a, I'm going to be in for six months and fix all the problems. I'll be out. But then every, every time that it comes up for renewal, I think, well, I could probably use more coaching to help with X, Y, and Z. Cause I know X, Y, and Z is coming up. And honestly, I can't imagine have not have, I can't imagine not having had coaching the last six months, you know, even yeah. though it, it just, cause even if I just kind of pop in and out with, you know, what I feel like are bigger issues and I work through those and I get the little private coaching, you know, with the coaches that are one-on-one and then I hammer through all of that. And then I can, I just feel energized to be able to, okay, I can push forward now, you yeah. know? And so I, it, you know, I, I felt like a failure at the beginning that I quote unquote kept needing coaching, but you know, like we talked about in the last podcast, why wouldn't I need coaching? My life is still happening. Right. You know, exactly. I'm still growing. And if I'm trying to, you know, better myself, you know, month after month after month, why not keep having people help me figure things out so that I don't get stuck and I'm not stagnant and that I can continue to have my own back. Yeah. And it's just like, I always think of it sometimes as like, you know, I just got coached and now my head's back on straight again. You know what I mean? It's just Mm -hmm. like, okay, I've got some clarity. I know what I need to do. Like, I'm not, you know, stuck in the mire anymore or like, you know, convincing myself I'm confused or I don't have enough information or like this is really hard and it's not solvable. And it's like, it doesn't even take that much coaching, honestly. It's usually like one or two questions, one or two questions that the coach asks me. And then I'm just like, oh, okay. I get it. Right. Like, and that is something that like ongoing, why wouldn't you want that help? Like, I know I need it so much. I just think it's just, it's, it's like, you know, fuel for, it just like accelerates everything for you. Cause like you still could have done all of this stuff and just had a much worse experience of doing it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And exactly. And because it's like, when I would feel like I was, you know, like my head was about to blow off just from being fueled by rage, you know, I would check in with Lynn or check in with you. And then, yeah, everything feels like it's realigned again. Like, okay, now I can keep moving forward. And then when I feel like I'm just, you know, frayed and can't, can't process anything else. And I just need someone to bounce an idea off of. It's so much, it's so different talking to a coach through something like that versus talking to a friend versus talking to a family member because they have in their head something that they think that you should do. Right. Whereas with, they coaching, have an opinion, it, right. <laughs> right. And so, you know, it's you, you know, you care about your clients and the people that you're coaching, but the out, you're not tied to their outcome. Exactly. Right. And so like that's I want for you, whatever you want to do. So I'm going to help you to figure that out. Like, I don't know what you should do. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I just feel like it, you unscramble my thoughts and help me just to get all of it sorted so then I can proceed down my own path, not a path anybody else wants for me, not the path you want for me, but just this path that I didn't even know existed before. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I love it. Okay. Then there's one other big thing that's happened this year and you just decided to like, you know, start a little side business. Cause like, why not? <laughs> you know, I had a little bit of free time. So <laughs> well, I, I uh, had about five years ago, I was getting on a plane with my family and I, it's, I had just read this article. I think it was in Newsweek about how gross airplanes were and how they only cleaned airplanes every 90 days and how much bacteria was on the seatbelt and on the tray and on the tray line and on the bathroom. And it, 
I'm not usually that much of a germaphobe, but I had a little baby then. And so it was just freaking me out. And so I bought all this stuff and I was cleaning off the you know entire row. And I thought, I wish somebody would make something where all these cleaning products were already together and it was just easy. And so I thought, why can't I do that? And so I had this idea that it was going to be this travel kit, you know, not so much with PPE, but just with travel kit for a family for flying and with hand sanitizer and wipes and things like that. And I applied for a patent and then it, you know, it's 2015, life got busy. I just dropped it. And it was kind of where I would just wallow in indecision and I would, I couldn't figure out a name. And so I didn't apply for a trademark because I couldn't figure out a name. And so I just let it all expire and I forgot about it. And then, um, course, we have a viral pandemic, which would have been really great if I would have had that before, <laughs> but I didn't, which was fine because I still had the idea. And I thought, you know, people aren't wanting to come into the office right now. I've got a little bit of downtime. I'll just, let me go ahead and proceed and go forward. And so, um, I launched a product earlier this month called the doctor bag and it's, I, but what's good is I waited because I had an even better idea this time. And so I thought, why don't I find a bag that the actual properties of the bag are antimicrobial. And so I can take that bag different places and it's not going to hold on to, you know, bacteria or viruses. And then I can keep PPE in that little bag. And so that's kind of what happened. So I just went and, you know, it, it's hilarious because I've, my son is 11 and he's very astute. He reads the Wall Street Journal and ask Alexa about stocks. And so he, <laughs> he it, this is stressing him out big time because there's all these shipments of, you know, Purell coming to our house and all these shipments of masks and all these shipments of bags. And he looked at me, he goes, if this doesn't work out, am I going to be able to go to college still? <laughs> Like, I, I think you'll be fine. He goes, actually, I figured it out. And if you can't sell these bags with the things I checked on eBay and you can sell all the individual items, <laughs> <laughs> your vote of confidence there, but, um, oh it's just, I don't, you're like, listen, that's not a very growth mindset kind of a thought no, not at all. And I said, we can't think like that. And so, yeah. um, but I just thought, you know, I, it's, I thought this is a good idea. Why won't other people want something like this? I wanted it maybe other people would want this too. And so this has just been a whole different wheelhouse of very uncomfortable, you know, cold calling people who own other companies to see if they'll let me include their products in my bag. And it, I don't know, I have to just coach myself through it all the time. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I doing this? And I just say, I do hard things all the time. I can figure this out too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so if someone wants to check that out, where can they go to yes. find out? Um, they can go to thedoctorbag.com or they can go on social media to thedoctor.bag um, on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see. Cool. I'm, I think I just had a really good conversation yesterday with um, one of the suppliers of one of the products. And I think that we're going to um, combine together for a big holiday um, kit. So wow. amazing. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. So if you want in on the ground floor before they're all sold out and you can't find any <laughs> and Max's dreams will all come true. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's been a total family project. Cause like I have my mom sewing in the labels. Oh really? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's you know, a total oh family gosh. project. We'll, we'll see what happens. It might, it might be absolutely nothing, but, and that's another thing that I had to think about on the you know beginning is this might be a total failure. 
And that's okay. Well, and and yeah, and that's fine. okay. Exactly. I mean, if you look at the statistics, yeah, I mean, m- most small businesses will fail. But mm-hmm. if you look at it like this probably won't work out, like for sure, then that will be the result, mm-hmm. right? You'll end up sabotaging it. So we've even coached on that. I'm like, 100% this thing's going to work. It's going to blow up like crazy. It's going to be amazing. That's the number one thing we have to work on is the belief in that success. And mm-hmm. then you go out and create that success. And that's, I have to keep saying, it's like, I, cause I had a lot of regret for not doing it before. And so I thought, well, I, why wouldn't five years from now, I would have regret for still not doing it. So I might as well just do it. I'd rather have a failure and have tried, yes, have tried, regret, regretted not, not doing it at all. Yeah. And you know, you can just decide that had you done it five years ago, it wouldn't have been as good. And it's like totally better now. And, you know, there's probably new technologies and new ways of selling things that make it better, right? Like you, right. we don't even, you know, we can just decide the world wasn't ready for this five years ago, but it sure as heck is now. That's for sure, right? I'm hoping, I'm hoping so, but the, I know, and I'm, I'm believing that it is. And I, I really do believe that even if it fails and it means that I lose money and it was a little bit of lost time, it's really been a good exercise in growth for me, just figuring out how to do something different. And I think that, you know, maybe other people in primary care feel that way sometimes that sometimes it's the same. I've been doing this for 12 years. Sometimes it's the same old thing over and over and over again. And I just need something else for my brain to be interested in for a little bit. And I don't, you know, run marathons and I don't have other, you know, hobbies and we can't travel right now. So yeah, Yeah. why not? Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, it's so fun. And it's a very cute bag. It's like really, really adorable. (laughs) The doctor bag. Yeah, everyone should check it out for sure. All right, Summer, what else? Do you have any other messages for anyone who's listening? Um, I can't think of anything else, but I think that if people, if they've ever, you know, like I said last time, if they've ever contemplated coaching to really get coaching, and if they feel like coaching's a, a one and done, because I really thought that I was a failure if I kept getting coaching, but it's, it's not, it's made me more successful and just feel better about myself and my experience of my own life. I'm, I'm making that happen and I'm not just letting life happen to me. I'm opening up new avenues that I want to explore. And um, I think that that, it's like, I've decided that my new thought is that I don't know what my life's going to look like in five years. And I like that. Right. You know, right. Is it so cool? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to think like you can't even begin to dream about what you could have in five years, right? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of life that you want to be living where you're like, it's going to be so good. My brain can't even begin to comprehend it right now. That's and kind that's of where what, I'm at. I'm like, I don't know. It's going to be amazing for sure, though, for, for sure. sure. I think before, because I felt so bad about myself all the time and so unsure that I wanted the comfort of thinking about the future that, okay, I know where I'm going to be living. I know the house I'm going to be living in. I know what my practice is going to look like. And that was just comforting to me to think that's what it'll be like five years from now, Mm -hmm. 10 years from now. But now I've taken that away and I have thought, you know what? I don't want to know what it's going to look like. I want it to be unknown because that, I think that anticipation of something bigger or better than I've imagined. And even if it is the same exact practice in the same exact town, it's still going to be better just because the way I'm anticipating it. Yeah. And, you know, just to, to put a little, you know, coach spin on what you just said, what you were doing before is you felt so uncertain of yourself that you were looking for certainty in your 
external world, right? You're like you want to know that life will look this way and I'll live in this house and this will be my practice. And now what you've traded that for is certainty in yourself that you know that you can create something amazing and then allowing for the uncertainty in your life and your external circumstances. That's so cool, right? Seeing that switch, just going like, I can handle whatever comes my way because I've got me. And that, I mean, that, what has 2020 proven to you? 100% that over and over and over again. And, and that's other something else that has been helpful in coaching in 2020 is that the uncertainty and just coach in like feeling okay with feeling uncertain. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to have all the answers right now. Nobody has all the answers. Dr. Fauci, bless his heart, doesn't have all the answers. <laughs> bless his you know, heart. Yes. I, I love him beyond compare. And he, I mean, <laughs> you know, but he, if he doesn't have the answers, of course it's okay for me not to have the answers. And it's okay for me to feel uncertain. And then one mantra that I've gone back to over and over and over again that's been so helpful is, of course I feel weird. This is 2020 and it's weird. Yes. Right. It's just like, this is, this is the, the theme for this year. <laughs> like why, why would it be any different? Right. Yeah. Right. It's not just me. Everybody's feeling a little bit weird. Yeah. Of course I'm going to feel weird. Yeah. Totally. But, yeah. And just giving myself like compassion for not, not knowing. And mm-hmm. for all of us who are, you know, overachievers and kind of control minded individuals giving over to the uncertainty is really hard. Yeah, totally. But it's totally possible, right? And that's that's yes. what we're talking about here. Yeah, oh, it's so and, good. and that's what, it. It, gets, it makes people really annoyed. But you know, because every, everyone says, "Well, I just want 2020 to be over with." Like, can we just go ahead and have Christmas? And I said, "Well, why can't you know? Why can't 2020 be amazing? You know, right. as you've said, like there can be so much innovation and so much creativity that come from this. Why can't we see that flip side of the coin? Yes, it's been horrible for lots of people. And, you know, I can't imagine people that have lost family members and things like that. But, you know, why can't we find little bits of good that will come out of this and that will, you know, make us see how important health is and how important education is and how important our families are that those we have to allow the good to come to us, right? I think Mm -hmm. we're so like this year sucks. Therefore, that is the lens through which I will see all of it. Nothing good has happened when that's just not the case at all. There's so many amazing things that have happened. You just have mm-hmm. to let your brain see it and and allow yourself to even experience the positive emotions. I think in, in some ways, it's almost like a um, very similar to like a grief experience where it's like, well, am I allowed to be happy? With all the stuff that's going on? Am I allowed to, you know, pursue interests or passions that I have of my own? Am I allowed to actually like lose weight when there's people dying of this virus? Like, is, does that, is that selfish of me? It's like, no, like we still can live our lives doing the things that we want to do so that we can show up as that best version of ourselves. And of course, then as doctors help, you know, everyone around us in a really impactful way. So Amazing. Summer, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Maybe we'll do another one in a year. Another update. I hope so. (laughs) All right. Take care. Thank you. Did you know that you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources.